was growing up, Thanksgiving Day usually began with a four-hour road trip from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, up to Warwick, New York, over in Orange County, where my aunt and uncle and cousins lived, and where there, was, there would be a turkey dinner awaiting our arrival. On the years we didn't travel, however, the day began with breakfast and watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade while we made the pies and got the turkey ready to put in the oven. As a kid, I loved watching the parade. I loved seeing the floats and the balloons, the musical acts and marching bands, the celebrities like the Rockettes, and of course, the culminating visit by Santa in his sleigh, kicking off the Christmas holiday season. It was the perfect thing to have on TV while helping to peel apples for pie or chop celery and walnuts for the stuffing. I often wondered what it would be like to be one of the thousands or millions there in the crowd, lining the streets, cheering and yelling, maybe even catching the eye of one of those famous people who were marching by. Our gospel lesson today begins with a parade, too. Instead of Santa, however, it is Jesus who is coming to town, the town of Jericho, that is. By this time in his ministry, Jesus had become quite the local celebrity. Wherever he went, crowds followed and gathered to see him, listen to him, meet him, and touch him. News had already spread that Jesus was on his way to Jericho, and the people were lining up along the main road through town, bringing their lawn chairs and their coolers full of beverages to enjoy the spectacle like a pop-up tailgate party. Among the many people jockeying for a good spot that day was a man named Zacchaeus. Some of us may remember Zacchaeus from the song we learned way back in Sunday school. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. The story of Zacchaeus is a Sunday school favorite because children understand better than any of us what it feels like to be shorter than everyone else and to not be able to see what's going on. Most kids love the idea of climbing up a tree to see Jesus. But there's a lot more to know about Zacchaeus than just his height. According to the story, Zacchaeus was a Jew and a chief tax collector in Jericho which was a thriving oasis city along a well-traveled trade route through the desert. And he was rich. As a chief tax collector, he was employed by the occupying Roman government to collect taxes from anyone and everyone. It was a lucrative position to hold if you had money to begin with. You see, the Romans contracted with the local tax collectors for a certain amount of money which had to be paid to to them up front. Then the tax collectors went out and assessed the taxes on people, usually charging much more than was required and keeping the extra for themselves because, hey, everyone's got to make a living, right? Because they worked for Rome and often employed shady business practices, tax collectors had a bad reputation among the Jewish people. And Zacchaeus would have been even more suspect as a chief tax collector, Zacchaeus would have been the supervisor over a cadre of other tax collectors. Everyone knew how the system worked. 
the chief extorted money from the underlings who extorted money from the people. As you might imagine, Zacchaeus was not a popular guy around town. Despite his wealth and power, he was probably one of the most hated men in town, even considered a traitor by his people. But before we paint Zacchaeus with too black a brush, Luke plants one more little detail in the story that should make us think twice. The name Zacchaeus comes from the Hebrew word which means pure or innocent. Hmm, maybe we should wait before rushing to judgment. For some reason, unbeknownst to us, Zacchaeus really wanted to see Jesus that day. It's a bit of a mystery because in Luke's gospel, Jesus is not really a friend to the rich. In Luke's version of the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Just one chapter earlier in Luke 18, Jesus meets uh, the young, rich young ruler who wanted to know what he had to do to get eternal life. When Jesus told him to go and sell everything he had, give it to the poor, and follow him, the rich man was filled with sorrow, prompting Jesus to say how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. On the other hand, Jesus was a friend of tax collectors, just as he was to everyone else who was considered unsavory in those days, everyone else who was marginalized or despised by the community, the prostitutes, the drunkards, and the sinners. Perhaps that is why Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus so badly. Because unlike everyone else in town, maybe Jesus would see him for who he really was and be his friend anyway and prove to them all that he wasn't such a bad guy after all. Whatever the reason, Zacchaeus really wanted to see Jesus so badly, in fact, that he was willing to humiliate himself by running ahead of the crowd and climbing up a tree to get a better view. Nothing a man of his wealth or position would ever normally do. And that, he w that is where he was, clinging to the trunk of the tree with leaves and twigs in his hair when Jesus came passing by with his entourage. As Jesus' eyes scanned the crowd, on either side of him, he happened to look up and right into Zacchaeus' face. Their eyes locked. And in that moment, Jesus saw right past Zacchaeus' designer clothes and riches, right through all those labels and layers of mistrust and stigma, isolation and maybe even wrongdoing, at least the suspicion of wrongdoing, right into the core of who Zacchaeus really was, a child of God, a son of Abraham, an heir to God's promises. Then Jesus walked right up to the tree and said, come on, Zacchaeus, hurry up and get down here. I'm coming to your house today. I don't know who was more surprised, Zacchaeus or the crowd, but no one could believe what had just happened. 
Although inviting yourself over to dinner is considered bad manners today, it was a huge honor for Zacchaeus that someone like Jesus would not only speak to him, but want to come to his house and eat with him. And the crowd was shocked and dismayed. How could Jesus, this famous teacher and do-gooder, a paragon of righteousness, some even said a holy man, how could he associate with such a shady, seedy character? Zacchaeus didn't care what the crowd thought, though. He was thrilled, overjoyed. He had been seen and loved for who he really was, and that was all that mattered to him in that moment. He had been touched by God's presence and transformed by God's grace. Astonished by this sudden change of events, he couldn't wait to welcome Jesus into his home to offer him food and hospitality. So he scurried down the tree as fast as he could. As he and Jesus turned toward Zacchaeus' house, he heard the crowd grumbling and complaining about Jesus' choice of dinner date, disparaging not just Zacchaeus, but Jesus too. So Zacchaeus stopped right there. He turned around and said, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay them back four times as much. Zacchaeus was so grateful to finally be seen and loved that his first response was to give, to give to the poor and to make amends for any wrongs he might have done. Inspired by God's love and grace, Zacchaeus was overwhelmed with gratitude, which in turn led to great generosity. When Jesus saw and heard the change in Zacchaeus, he declared, Today, salvation has come to this house. It was a miracle, just like any of Jesus' other miracles, healing the sick, or feeding the multitudes, although the crowd probably didn't realize it that day, they had just seen a camel pass through the eye of a needle. Grace inspires gratitude, which leads to generosity. I like what preacher Bill Wilson has to say about Zacchaeus and his transformation. Something in that encounter with Jesus changed the way Zacchaeus saw the world. He could now see people in need, where before he only saw people who could give him something. Is that not one of the most dangerous things Jesus does to our eyes? He changes how we see other people. No longer do labels work, rich, poor, Democrat, Republican, white, black, Hispanic, Now we just see real people with real needs. Salvation comes to Zacchaeus' house, and he is forever changed from a taker to a giver. This man had made his living taking from others, and suddenly after one meal with Jesus, he is giving money away like he's the United Way of Jericho. When Christ takes up residence in a life, we become generous. Somehow Jesus loosens our grip on our wallets, our pocketbook, our calendars, everything else we hold on to, and giving becomes an opportunity, not just a requirement. As such, Zacchaeus is like the poster child of a cheerful giver. 
He doesn't hold back. No 10% tithe for him. He goes straight to 50%. And he goes above and beyond to make his wrongs right. Jewish law required that he pay back the money he had taken plus 20% interest. Not Zacchaeus. He's willing to pay back 400%. He is a changed man. He has seen Jesus. He has experienced the life-giving grace of God, and he is grateful. His gratitude overflows into generosity, sharing his abundance so that others might also know God's love and grace, too. This might sound like a quaint Bible story disconnected from our lives today, but I saw something similar happen just yesterday. I came over here to the church yesterday morning to see how the pantry distribution was going, to say hello to people and to thank them for their hard work. I had chosen to come after 10.30, thinking that most of the clients would have come and gone and things might be a little less hectic. Boy, was I wrong. When I pulled into the parking lot off of 132, I was surprised to see the line of cars waiting for food still wrapped around both parking lots. The volunteer helping with parking told me it had been like this since at least 7.30. As I walked along the line of cars into the building, a couple of people in the waiting cars asked me if they were going to stop distributing food at 11, which was getting closer by the minute. Or what would happen if they ran out of food? I assured them that everyone in line would be served and that even if we ran out of turkey and pie, we would give them something to eat. Then I walked through the building, past volunteers in Fellowship Hall and other rooms continuing to pack and move bags of food to the distribution point. When I walked out the side door by the pantry, more volunteers were waiting there and and busy doing their jobs greeting clients, registering them, finding out how many there were in their families and if they wanted turkey or chicken or if they needed elder care products yesterday. And then they would deliver the bags of food into the trunks of the cars. As I chatted with the volunteers, I saw the next car drive up. And even though it was probably the 150th car that morning, I heard the volunteer exclaim with a smile, Danielle, nice to see you. Chicken or turkey? Almost like she was greeting a long-lost friend. The woman in the car smiled back, face beaming. Chicken, she said. What a gift. To look into another person's eyes. To recognize them and warmly greet them by name. To see them as a person first, rather than another client another car in a long line, another person in need. To look past the car they were driving, whether it was old and beat up or so new that it made you wonder why someone who could drive a car like that needed to come to a food pantry anyway. To look past the doubts and suspicions about whether or not they really needed or had worked hard enough for this food. To look past the labels, labels like poor, homeless, Young, old, white, black, brown, single parent, unemployed, disabled, addict, mentally ill, illegal. And to see first and foremost another human being 
and to connect with the deepest truth in that person, that he or she is a child of God, a brother or sister in the human race, an heir to God's promise of abundant life. What a gift. I don't have any idea how either person felt in that moment, but what I do know is that I was filled with gratitude. Gratitude for the people in front of me, both the volunteers and the clients we served. Gratitude for the ministry and mission of this church that allowed such a moment to occur. And I wondered how many other times that gift was given yesterday as 200 cars wended their way through our parking lots and 285 or 287 families received a warm welcome and food to put on their family tables. Jesus may not have shown up in person and invited himself into every client's home, but then again, maybe he did through the connection and care, the grace and the groceries shared. How many other times is such a gift given here during a worship service or in someone's home, in a Sunday school classroom or at an adult Bible study, around the circle in the prayer shawl and knitting groups, or in the bereavement group or at an AA meeting, or in the garden as people are planting and weeding together. So many holy moments of connection, of grace and gratitude. That's what inspires me to give to this church. In closing today, I would like to invite you all to close your eyes. And imagine that you are in the crowd, standing along Central Park West or Fifth Avenue, watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. The floats have been amazing, the music rousing, the balloons mind-blowing, and now the mood is joyful and filled with anticipation because you know that he is almost here. Not Santa riding in a sleigh, but Jesus, the Holy One in human form. Heaven come down to earth and coming to your town today. You've heard the stories about Jesus, his revolutionary teaching, his deep compassion and healing power, and you can't wait to catch a glimpse of him. And then there he is walking right down the street in front of you. The crowd goes wild, and you stand on your tippy toes, shouting his name and waving your arms. As Jesus walks by, he looks from side to side, smiling, raising his hands in blessing. As his eyes scan the crowd, all of a sudden he sees you. Jesus looks straight at you past all the labels and limitations, the anxieties and expectations, the fears and the failures, right into the very core of your being, radiating his love and grace. His eyes light up with recognition, and he says, Margaret, Jessica, Cheryl, Jane, Diane, Jean, Damien, Abby, Carol, 
hurry up. I'm coming to your house today for Thanksgiving dinner. In that holy moment, how do you feel? Knowing that out of the hundreds or thousands of millions of people there that day, Jesus sees you and chooses you. Jesus sees you as you truly are, a beloved child of God and an heir of God's promises of abiding love and abundant life. How do you feel? That is the gift we all have been given and that we continue to receive every moment of every day by the God who knows us better and loves us more than we could possibly ever imagine. Transformed by love and grace, overwhelmed with gratitude, what are you willing to give of your gifts, your blessings, yourself, so that others might also know that same love and grace, hospitality, and hope. Amen.